we're going to look at Ezekiel, and Ezekiel is a book of the Bible that uh, is very seldom preached from, um, even though it's one of the larger books of the Bible. Um, but I got to looking back, and I have only, I preached, I think, one time uh, in my years here uh, from one passage that is frequently pa- uh, preached from. There's one passage in Ezekiel that people uh, preach from, and, and that's where most sermons from Ezekiel are preached from, is that one chapter. Um, but outside of that, uh, Ezekiel doesn't get preached from a lot in these days. So we're going to take a look, spend a few weeks leading up to Advent, um, going through the book of Ezekiel and looking at that. I want to talk to you first about the man, Ezekiel, that wrote the book. His name means God strengthens. Um, he was taken into Babylonian exile with about 10,000 other Jews um, at the age of 25. So he's a young man, 25 years old, when he is taken into captivity, uh, and that was about 597. There were a couple different groups uh, that Nebuchadnezzar took of Jews into Babylonian captivity. This was the first group of 10,000, and here goes this young man into captivity. He was both a priest and a prophet, even though he didn't start his prophetic ministry until after he had been in exile for five years. Uh, he was both of those things. And during that time, one of the things that Ezekiel discovered is that God was sovereign Lord, whether he was in Israel or whether he was in Babylon. And whether things were going well or whether things were going bad, none of those Jews wanted to be in Babylon. And so the big question for them was, is God the same here that he was there? And one of the things that Ezekiel lived to tell the story of and to say about God is that God is sovereign and God is Lord no matter what you're going through in life, no matter where you are and all of that. Ezekiel was also married. Um, he, um, we know that from Ezekiel chapter 24, um, he had a house at Tel Aviv, um, and Tel Aviv means um, hill of corn ears. And so it was a reference to, it was right next to the Kabar River, and so it was very fertile soil, and they grew wonderful corn there, and so that's how it got its name. Uh, but that's where he lived in Babylon. There was a whole Jewish settlement where uh, Nebuchadnezzar moved all these people to in Babylon. And his wife died about 10 years into the exile. So when he's 35 years old, his wife dies. And that plays into the whole, um, whole story of Ezekiel and, and what he's trying to do as a prophet. Now, there are um, the major prophets and there are the minor prophets, but in all of those prophets, there are only five of them who were prophets after the exile. All the others were in Israel and Judah, and they were prophets who said, if you don't change your ways, God is going to take you into captivity. And so most of the prophets that you have in your Bibles, they were those kind of prophets who were ahead of the time. And they were telling the people, man, you've got to repent. You've got to change your ways. You've got to get rid of idolatry. There were five prophets 
who were prophets after God had sent the people into captivity. And so whether they were taken by the Babylonians or by the Assyrians, they were after the fact prophets. And their message was to tell the Israelites um, things that were still happening, and their message was to give the Israelites hope in captivity that someday they would go back home and all of that. Ezekiel was one of those five. Those five prophets are Ezekiel, um, Daniel, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And um, obviously he's also the author of this book, um, which was written over the course of about 28 years, um, between 593 and 565 B.C., and tradition, we don't know this from Scripture at all, but tradition says he was killed by fellow Jews um, because he confronted them for idolatry. Um, but again, we, we don't know that anywhere uh, from Scripture. I want us to, uh, John, do you have that set up to read aloud or not? No, okay. Um, Ezekiel chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 1. It says, I want to I just read the passage in Ezekiel where it talks about his calling. And as I go through this, I want you to just notice what are the things that stand out in this passage. God said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard him speaking to me. He said, Son of man... I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid. Through briars and thorns are all around you, and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or terrified by them, though they are rebellious people. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then I looked, and I saw a hand stretched out to me, and it was a scroll which he unrolled before me, and on both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. Chapter 3. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat the scroll, then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat the scroll that I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said to me, Son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them. You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech and strange language, but to the people of Israel. Not to many peoples of obscure speech and strange language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I had sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me. For all the Israelites are hardened and obstinate. But I will make you as unyielding and hardened as they are. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. 
Do not be afraid of them or terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. And he said to me, Son of man, listen carefully and take to heart all the words I speak to you. Go now to your people in exile and speak to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or fail to listen. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a loud rumbling sound as the glory of the Lord rose from the place where it was standing. And it was the sound of wings of living creatures brushing against each other, and the sound of the wheels beside them, and a loud rumbling sound. The Spirit then lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in anger of spirit with the strong hand of the Lord upon me. And I came to the exiles who lived in Tel Aviv near the Kabar River, and there where they were living, I sat among them for seven days, weeping, deeply distressed. So as you look at this, um, you know, a couple things stand out. Obviously, the one thing that stands out is he uses this phrase again and again. These are a rebellious people. And he uses some other adjectives in there that mean the same thing, uh, basically. But that that is the theme that he wants to bring. So I want to share with you um, this morning, first of all, just some some simple key themes from this book um, that gets ignored a lot uh, today in the church. They shall know that I am Jehovah, or the NIV puts it, you will know that I am the Lord. That phrase is in the book of Ezekiel 70 times. Again and again and again. It's in there. Every time Ezekiel has a vision or a message for the people, that gets that gets wound up in there. You will know that I am the Lord. Uh, and so that that's God's concern. And he says that whether he's talking to the Jews or whether he's talking to the other nations around Israel or whether he's talking into the future and talking about when uh, there will be the new temple again in Jerusalem and all of that. So there are, per, the purpose for which Ezekiel writes to the exiles is this. First of all, he wants to accuse them and say um, that the reason this has come upon us, the reason that we were taken into captivity is because we listened to false prophets, we practiced idolatry, and we were rebellious. And you heard that phrase again and again, just repetitious, um, seven times right alone in nine verses in chapter 2. He calls the people rebellious. Um, so that's a good reminder for us. The one thing we don't want God to say about us is that we are rebellious. Um, God does not take that very favorably. Um, and it's very obvious from this this passage. The second thing that that... Second theme in Ezekiel is this, that God is sovereign uh, over all the earth. God is not just a God of Christians. God is not just a God of Israel. God is not just the God of Christians in America. But God is sovereign over the entire world, entire peoples, all nations. They are all accountable to him. And uh, in all times, in all places, um, God is sovereign. And one of the messages that Ezekiel sounds out is that all these other nations, the nations that took 
Jews into captivity, the, the nations around Israel, all of that, all of them are accountable to God for everything they do. And there is no nation on the face of the earth today, not North Korea, not Iran, not any people, that are not accountable to God for their actions because God is sovereign over the entire earth. The next thing that Ezekiel teaches overall throughout this uh, 48-chapter book is he teaches individual responsibility and national accountability before God. And he, he sounds this theme again and again that God is righteous in his judgment. Whatever God does in judgment is always righteous. And, the, and he's, his message to the Jews that were taken into Babylonian captivity is, God did this because he's righteous. And what he did to you is righteous. And any time that God judges in any way, he is always right in his judgment. And, and he has to keep sounding that message to those Jews that were taken into captivity. And then he, the last thing he says is he wants to remind them also that the blessings of God follow judgment. God never disciplines and he never judges just for the sake of judging us. He always punishes, he always disciplines us for the sake of restoration. To bring us back to a, a good relationship with him. And so the third thing that he says, or fourth thing he says, is God is gracious in restoration. Now, how is this book organized? Um, there's four main sections of Ezekiel. The first one is the first three chapters uh, about half of that that I read for you there. Um, and that has the opening vision that I didn't read for you. Um, and it's just a big vision. Sometime you ought to read that this week. And then um, we'll talk about that next Sunday. And then there's the call of Ezekiel that I did uh, read and uh, some verses following that. The second part of Ezekiel is this 20-chapter unit uh, verses uh, chapters 4 through 24, and it's the messages that relate specifically to Jerusalem and to Israel. Um, and it, first of all, uh, even though Nebuchadnezzar had taken these Jews into Babylonian captivity, the temple had not been destroyed yet. Not all the Israelites had been departed, and as far and you know, we, some stayed there for the whole time while others were in captivity, but. It had not been destroyed yet. And so these Jews that had been in captivity that Ezekiel was with, they were sitting there thinking, this is just going to be short term. We're going to go back. The temple is never going to be destroyed. God would never destroy the temple. That is his temple. He would never allow the Babylonians to destroy it. And so they were saying that while they were in captivity, and Ezekiel kept telling them, um, no, that is not the truth. God is going to destroy that temple and he's going to destroy it because of our idolatry and because of our sin and all of that. And so the first part of those chapters is, is Ezekiel saying, no, the destruction is still going to happen. There's still more uh, Jews that are going to be taken into captivity. And yes, we are going to be here for 70 years. And they just hated that message and they, re they rejected it. And then he gets into the, a, a passage that we 
sometimes will refer to um, in Ezekiel, and that is in chapters 8 through 11, where the temple, he prophesies ahead of time that the temple is going to be defiled, and that it's going to be destroyed, and that the glory of God lifts from the temple, and we come up with that word Ichabod. Some of you have heard that word. It's a Hebrew word that means the glory departs. And so um, Ezekiel prophesies the glory of God is God's going to lift his glory right off the temple in Jerusalem, and it's going to be destroyed. And again, the, the Israelites who were in captivity were saying, no, that's not going to happen. You're a false prophet and all of this kind of thing. And then the third part, 12, uh, chapters 12 through 24, is where he prophesies Nebuchadnezzar going in, actually just um, crumbling on Jerusalem. And, um, and again, they, they rejected that message. At the end of chapter 24, is, is, that's the time in history when Nebuchadnezzar actually goes in, destroys it. More Jews are brought into um, Babylon and and these Israelites who are living there have been listening to uh, Ezekiel proclaim that. All of a sudden they're saying, it happened. He was right. And all of a sudden they're starting to listen to him. And at that point he changes his messages. And he's no longer talking about Jerusalem. But he talks about all these other nations around um, Israel. And, and what God is going to do to them. So there's messages about the Gentiles. Um, and Jerusalem has fallen, and, uh, and the big message there comes at the very end in Ezekiel chapter 39. I want to read this, this passage for you, uh, verse 25. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will now bring Jacob back from captivity, and I will have compassion on all the people of Israel, and I will be jealous for my holy name. They will forget their shame and all the unfaithfulness they showed toward me when they lived in safety in their land with no one to make them afraid. When I have brought them back from the nations and have gathered them in their countries of their enemies, I will show myself holy through them in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord their God. For though I sent them into exile among the nations, I will gather them to their own land not leaving any behind. I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. And so at the very end of this whole passage, he says all the nations are going to be able to see that I am God and I am sovereign because of the way I treat Israel and the way I bring Israel back to their homeland and the way I bring my spirit back and put it on the temple and all of that. And then he goes into the last eight chapters of Ezekiel where it talks about the vision of the future Jerusalem and the future nation of Israel, uh, the new temple, the new glory, the new worship, um, the redivided land and the city of God. And so he's talking about something that has not yet happened um, in the nation of Israel, but we're starting to see um, elements of that happen in our time today. So what is unique? What, what sets Ezekiel apart and makes it different from a lot of the other books of the Bible? Well, first of all, Ezekiel was very precise in dating his prophecies. A lot of the other prophets 
they would give their prophecies, but they didn't date them. Ezekiel was very meticulous about that, and so they're very well dated. Thirteen of Ezekiel's messages are dated precisely to the day, the month, and the year of, of King Jehoiachin's exile to Babylon. So you can go back in history and you can say, this prophecy was given by this prophet on this exact day, and you know when it happened. Um, so that makes uh, Ezekiel very unique. The other thing about Ezekiel, and this is part of the reason it very seldom is preached on, is that it is similar to Revelation in the New Testament. It has a lot of imagery, a lot of visions, a lot of things that our Western minds don't understand. If you were to go to the land of Israel, you were to go to the Middle East, uh, Revelation, um, Ezekiel, some of these kind of books, those people just gravitate to, they understand, they can read it, they that Eastern mindset that just picks it up and understands it, you know, but it's it's not the kind that our Western minds um, understand real well. And so um, there's extraordinary kind of visions in Ezekiel. Uh, you read Ezekiel chapter 1 um, as a, a, one of the great visions in Ezekiel, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense to us in our Western minds. So um, that's one thing that makes it unique. One of the other things about Ezekiel is that there are three different kinds of prophetic activity in the book. Number one, there are visions, such as in chapter one, and then there are sign sermons. And that, um, that you see in some other books, or minor prophets in particular, but sign sermons are where the prophet actually doesn't say anything. How would it be if your pastor never said a word? He just got up here and did sign sermons, did actions, <laughs> and never said a word. Uh, some of you might like that. Well, that's what happened for quite a while in Ezekiel's life. God made him dumb. And the reason God did that was so that he could not speak and only could communicate to the Israelites through his actions. Um, and the reason for that was because the Israelites would not listen to him anyway. Um, God made him dumb, and he did that in such a way um, to arouse their curiosity and to get them to ask questions. And so different things would happen. For example, when Ezekiel's wife died, that was to symbolize to the Israelites the, the grief that Ezekiel had was the grief that the Israelites would have when God came in and destroyed the temple that they just did not believe that God would destroy. And so that was a sign sermon uh, for those people. And so a lot of these sign sermons cost Ezekiel a great deal. It was a very painful experience for him to go through himself. He lost his wife at a young age, at the age of 35, uh, in order to be a sermon to the people of Israel at the loss that they should feel at seeing their temple destroyed because of their sin um, and all of that. So there were visions, there were sign sermons, and then lastly there were direct uh, predictions where Ezekiel would say, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is going to destroy the temple or this and that, and those kind of things uh, that he would give. So, going back to the text that I read for you this morning, um, what do we know about Ezekiel's call? First of all, it was very uh, specific. Um, he was told to stand up. The Spirit came, raised him up uh, to his feet, and then he heard God speaking to him. 
Secondly, he was sent to the Israelites. Um, they were rebellious, uh, both the, in chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. They were rebellious in their spirit. They were rebellious in their actions. And they were rebellious in their nature. Their forefathers had lived that way. And so it just passed down. Uh, that was just the way they were. They were obstinate and stubborn. Israel is referred to as rebellious seven times in that chapter 2 alone. And then in verse 5, as we notice that his his calling was unconditional. It didn't matter how the people responded. He had to be there. You remember Jesus um, telling the disciples, uh, I believe it's in Mark, that if they went someplace and and they their message was rejected to wipe the dust off their feet and go to another town, Ezekiel was not given that privilege at all. Ezekiel was told, it doesn't matter what these people do to you. It doesn't matter what they say to you. It doesn't matter whether they ever listen to you. You are to stay put right here, and you are to be a prophet to these people. So he's not given that choice at all. He was also told that he was never to exhibit fear. (laughs) He was never to be afraid or terrified by them. What they said, what they did, it didn't matter. He was... He was to be there, and he was never to be afraid. Um, Wouldn't that work well for you? Those events in your life where you're just full of fear, and somebody just says, just don't be afraid. You are not allowed to be afraid anymore. (laughs) That's what God said to this prophet Ezekiel. It doesn't matter what they do to you. You are not allowed to be afraid. And then God said, if you don't obey me in this call... You are just like the rest of the Israelites rebelling against me in in verse 6. Verse 8, he says, um, Verse 8, he says, uh, God holds his servants responsible for calling out sin and for calling God's people to repentance. Um, That was his mission um, to do that. And, you know, today, one of the things, and I better not get into this too long. one of the things that frustrates me today, you know, we live in an age where we have itching ears. That hear, you know, we only want to hear what's comfortable to us and what makes us feel good and rosy and all of that. And so I was processing that, and even in my own mind about doing a series in Ezekiel, nobody just is thrilled about hearing about Ezekiel and the message that Ezekiel brings. You know, so how do you balance all of that? And yet, you know. The whole counsel of God, the whole word of God needs needs to be proclaimed. In verse 5 of chapter 3, the interesting thing is that Ezekiel was told twice that you have been sent to your own people of your own culture, of your own language. In other words, he didn't go to Moab. He didn't go to Ammon to be a prophet. He went to Babylon where his own people were and he prophesied to his own people, his own culture. Now the interesting thing is that oftentimes that is the very hardest people to reach. It would be much easier if God called some of you to be a missionary in a foreign land. But he has called you to be a missionary in McKinsey County with people that you know their life histories about. 
You know all their background. You know all the stories. You know everything about them. And God has called you to be a missionary right here among people that you know. You know their language. You know their culture. You know their history. You know all of that. Sometimes that's the hardest mission field on earth and that's exactly where God has you. Right here on this mission field in McKenzie County. And then in verses 6 and 7, the Israelites will reject his message because, not because they just rejected Ezekiel, but because they reject God. Uh, Because they are hardened and obstinate toward God. And then in verses 8 and 9, I want you to catch this. God says to Ezekiel, again, he tells them, you cannot be afraid, you cannot be terrified by these people. But he says to Ezekiel, I will toughen you up. I will toughen you up so that you are hard-headed and stubborn. Can, can you imagine? That's not exactly what you expect God to say to a prophet. I'm going to make you hard-headed and stubborn. That was what God said to this prophet. I'm going to make you, I'm going to toughen you up. I'm going to make you hard-headed and stubborn um, so that you will not fear the people. Ezekiel, um, verses 10 through 11, was to take to heart the words that God gave him for the people. And they weren't just supposed to come off his mind, but he was to process them in his heart before he spoke them. And then you see in verse 14 that this, these prophecies that God gave him in this call um, that he took, that were bad news for the people, but as he tasted them, they were sweet as honey. And yet at the very end, they, they ended, in, um, ended up being in him settling in bitterness and anger in his spirit and with the strong hand of the Lord upon him. And, and you end that last verse of chapter 3 with him being overwhelmed in deep distress for seven days after God had called him. Just because he, the weight of, of that calling of what he knew he was going to be called to tell the Israelites, after living with them for five years in exile, he gets this call. And he knows it's, it's a message that they're not going to enjoy hearing. And he's just left overwhelmed and in deep distress for that. And then he goes about the business of being a prophet for the rest of his life. Well, so what, what can we learn from this? There are three things that I, I want to pull out, and God may have spoken to you about some other things. But I want to say, first of all, that God wants a people who are tough. Our culture would like to sissify Christians today. And we are supposed to be the people who are meek and mild-mannered, who never stand up to anything. And it's interesting to me that in this passage, God says to Ezekiel, I am going to toughen you up. I'm going to make you hard-headed and stubborn. Now, being hard-headed and stubborn is not typically the definition of being a Christian. (laughs) It's not exactly the temperament that that Paul writes about in the Pauline epistles when he describes God's people. 
But I do think that there is this balance that we need to find that God wants a people who are tough, who can stand strong in obedience and stand strong for the truth during challenging times when we are tempted to believe that God has lost control and that when God, when it doesn't seem to pay for us to be Christians in our culture anymore, when we would just rather just relax and give it up, And God says to Ezekiel, no, you need to toughen up. And friends, you may be one of those Christians that just needs, God needs to toughen you up a little bit so that you are not a Christian wimp in our culture. God wants some strong heroes in our culture. Secondly, God wants a people who are responsive to his word. Again and again throughout this book, And Ezekiel had to be responsive to that call. But the Israelites, they refused to be responsive to God's word that he'd given through all those prophets. And now he was giving through the prophet Ezekiel. And they didn't want to listen to it. God wants a people who will be responsive to his word. And thirdly, God wants a people who who will remember that God is sovereign over all peoples, all times, everywhere. That God is righteous in his judgment and that God is gracious in restoration. We're going to sing, um, Great is Thy Faithfulness, which is a great way to close out this sermon. I didn't know that when we picked it. Um, But um, because the the last theme there is that God is gracious in restoration. If we will repent and come to Him, God wants to restore us and do great things in us.